0: Congregation of Christ, in the context, the apostle charges the elders to shepherd the flock of God. Peter himself is a fellow elder. In fact, he goes even further. He's a witness of the sufferings of Christ, partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And this apostle charges or exhorts the elders to shepherd. Lead, guide the people of God. He rewards, God rewards the faithful elder and shepherd of his people. For we read that at verse 4, and when the shepherd appears, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So elders shepherd the people. Then he goes on to tell the younger ones in the congregation, the Christian community, Be subject to your elders, to those who are older than you, those who are wiser than you, those who are above you, who have authority over you. Place yourself under them and their authority. Look to their leadership. It says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Place yourself underneath them. This requires humility on the part of the young ones. But then what does he say at 5b, verse 5b? He says, clothe yourselves, all of you. (laughs) All of you, clothe yourselves with what? With humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. humble. So the whole Christian community is characteristic of this one thing, humility. I mean, there are other virtues that the Christian community is characteristic of, but the Apostle Peter here is referring to humility within the people of God, among the people of God. And then at verses 6 and 7, Peter calls us to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So in these few short verses... Humble yourselves before God's shepherd. Humble yourselves before one another. And humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Each one of these can constitute a sermon point for this morning. But that would be a very, very long sermon. So I want to focus on the last of the three. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I wanted this to be part of a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day sermon. So let's treat it as such. In this new year, will we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? May that be our resolution. God, teach me, humble me, so that I may humble myself before your mighty hand. Oh God. I want to first, before we get into the points and explain and define what it means to humble yourself under God's mighty hand, I want to first define humility, just generally. So in your sermon notes, you'll see defining humility. Generally, what does it mean? Humility means total dependence upon another, to place yourself under another. To be dependent. For example, inheritors of the kingdom of God must be like what? Little children. If you do not become like little children, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, a child is one who is dependent entirely, totally upon who? Mother, father. His or her parents. And so there's a picture in children of humility as a child is being fed by the mother. Well, humility also means, and this is important humility also means to value someone more than yourself, to highly regard someone else than you. to value God more than you value yourself. It's not to be what is called self-inflating. What is self-inflating? The self-inflated person views himself as better or more important than someone else. The opposite of this is pride. Pride that leads to envy, jealousy, arrogance, and malice. Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility do what? Count others more significant than yourself. That's humility. That is humility to count others more significant than yourselves. And then Paul continues. He further defines humility, what it means in the verb form, to be humble. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Humility depends entirely upon another, in this case, namely God. And humility values another more than oneself. Considers another person more significant than self. Okay, having defined that, let's get into the text in verses six and seven. First point is, When we consider this verse, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That is, humbly submit to God's will and rule in your life. Humbly submit to God's will and rule in your life. Boys and girls, God is spirit. God is spirit. He doesn't have hands, feet, nose, head, hair. And so the Bible uses language of the human body to explain how God works among his people in creation. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. That is, God sees from heaven all people. We know the fancy word, I've used this long word, anthropomorphism, It's a figure of speech that gives attributes to God human body parts to explain God's works. What do we do with our hands, boys and girls? Well, what does a carpenter do? He uses his hands to build. What does an author do? The author writes or types a letter. He accomplishes or she accomplishes something with his or her hands. For the the carpenter, he builds a house. For the author, he writes a book or writes an article. With your hands, you accomplish a certain task. You fulfill a certain purpose.
1: They're instruments that we use to do something.
0: Figuratively, in the Bible, the hand of a king refers to his rule or exercise over his kingdom to accomplish his will and purposes in the kingdom. By the king's hand, he protects the people. By the king's hands, he rules over the people and guards the people. He's fulfilling a purpose. And so when we say that we humbly submit to God's will and rule in our lives under his mighty hand, hand, we're saying a few things. First, we're saying that it means that we are to be God-governed and not self-governed by self interests To be God-governed and not self-governed by self-interest. The self-governed person says, I'm my own person. I have my own will and purposes in my life. I will do as I please.
1: I do what I want. It's my truth, after all.
0: It's self-governing for self-interests. This attitude of the self-governed heart exalts self as king and ruler and forgets God. So when we humbly submit to God's will and rule, we're giving over our will to God. God, take my will, take and use it, use it for thy glory, use it for thy purposes, May your hand accomplish your purposes in my life. Now, the people that Peter was writing to, they were a persecuted people. They were exiles. They were suffering great persecution. It's easy to, for them to say, you know what, God, I think I'll do this on my own. I'm, I'm, I'm done following Jesus. This is too much to bear Peter's encouraging, no, no, submit under God's mighty hand. In your great need, in your suffering, submit under his mighty hand, his strong hand. Be governed by him. Second, it means to be fully dependent upon God and not self-dependent. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that is be fully dependent upon God for life and breath and all things for every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Depend on Him for these gifts. Depend not on yourselves for life and happiness and joy because that will get you nowhere. The pleasure may be temporary, but it will leave you in despair and hopelessness when we seek to depend on ourselves. No, depend upon God. Depend upon the one who gives life, breath, forgiveness of sins, eternal life. In this new year, there will be detours. In this new year, your plans will be thwarted. You may have a plan for your life and you think it's a grandiose plan. I know exactly what 2024 is going to play out, how it's going to play out for me. I know exactly what I want to do. But what happens when your plan doesn't come to fruition? What happens when my plan
1: fails? What then? See, that's the difference between self-dependence
0: and God-dependence. God-dependence says, here's my life. Here's my life, Lord. Take it. In 2024, I submit myself under your will and rule. Whatever happens wherever you lead, even through the crosses of life, ordained by your sovereign hand that you use to shape and mold me to the person that you want me to be in Christ. Crucify the sinful passions and desires Carry the cross. Desire God and His will in your life. That takes utter dependence upon God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, to humble yourself, to humbly submit to God's will and rule in your life, also means to exalt God and His Son, Jesus Christ, in one's life and not be self-exalting. Who or what do you value most? Because what you value most, you will exalt in your life. You will exalt in your life. Do you value Christ more than gold or silver? Do you value Christ more than your own life? This too is humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because you place yourself under God's will and rule in your life, which means that you need to crucify the pride in your life. That I need to crucify pride in my life and value Christ more than myself. Who can forget the profound and glorious words of John the Baptist when the disciples of John the Baptist came to him and talked to John about those who were with Jesus and they were baptized and more people were going to Jesus. John, what are we, what are we to think of this? What are we to make of this? And what does John say in John 3, verse 30? He must what? Increase. I must what? Decrease. Abriel, I love the the offertory that you played. Great contemporary song. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. I will praise him. I will praise him. He must increase. I must decrease. Lord, in 2024, may this be the, the song of my heart. May the triune God be exalted. And notice the promise. Notice the promise for those who humbly submit under God's mighty hand. So that, he says, the reason, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. God promises to exalt the humble believer in Christ in his time, it may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be next week, it may not be in this lifetime, it may be when you're in heaven, or it may be when Christ returned, but the promise remains, he will exalt you. What a paradox. The, the, the world considers this weakness The world considers humility foolishness, but the Christian considers it a strength because humility is not a lack of confidence. We think humility is going about life like this. Woe is me. That's not the Christian life. That's not what it is to be made alive in Christ and to have a holy confidence in God through Christ. Isn't that what released Luther from the bondage that he endured? When he literally would punish his body like that.
1: Humility
0: is confidence, a holy confidence in Christ to know that on the one hand we are to humble ourselves before God's mighty hand and he will exalt us He will exalt us in His time. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who humbled Himself, having been clothed in humanity, clothed with a human nature like ours, yet without sin, as we read earlier. He humbled Himself before the Father, accepting the Father's will, obeying the Father's will. At the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But Not my will, but thy will be done. Christ endured the suffering of the cross, the suffering for our sins. He humbled himself, placed himself low
1: because he valued us. He valued us, Christians. Christ
0: incarnate, the word of God incarnate, is humility incarnate. Who laid down his life as a sacrifice for sins. A shameful death on the cross, laid in the tomb, but what happened on the third day? Raised victoriously from the dead. God the Father exalted Christ the Son in his time for his glory.
1: Exalted to the
0: highest place, the right hand of the Father, where He rules and reigns forever. We too suffer in this life. And we need to look to God because He is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust in our earthly trials and sufferings. Our Father who has had mercy upon us and made us alive in Christ, will, not, will He not also care for us? will he not also care for us? Indeed he will. Think of what Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you. And in that context, he's talking about the spirit of the living God who dwells in God's people. Secondly, humbly cast all your anxieties on God. Humble yourselves. What does that look like? Humbly cast all your anxieties on God. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties or cares or worries on Him because He cares for you. Peter says, casting all your cares. There's a continuous casting or literally throwing upon God my worries and my cares. A continuously Humbly casting of my worries on him shows our total dependence upon him to bear them, to bear our load. The Greek word translated anxiety or worries or cares means to divide. It means dividing and fracturing a person's being into parts. To be drawn in different directions. You sympathize with that? Anxiety, which means to be drawn in different directions or dividing and fracturing a person's being into parts. You ever feel conflicted in your being, in your soul? You know you're supposed to have faith in these things. But the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know I should be believing God in this, but I just can't. That's, what it, that, that's, that's to be divided in the soul, to be conflicted in the soul. That's a burden to carry. And God welcomes his people to humbly approach him. God welcomes his people to humbly approach him Casting all, all, underline that word, all anxieties on him. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The Lord brings calm in the chaos when we humbly cast or throw our anxieties and worries overboard. Throw them on him, he's big enough to handle them. Sometimes we treat God as if he's an impotent God, or a God that is not to be bothered. You often hear people say, oh, I don't want to bother you with my problems, or I don't want to bother you with that, and I I can understand that, okay? Each one has his own burdens, we carry one another's burdens, but each one has their own load. Each one has their own load to carry, we get that. But only God is capable, only God is omnipotent to bear every worry and anxiety upon himself because he does not get overburdened. Be like the persistent woman who keeps knocking and pleading, who asks and seeks and knocks persistently to the point where the judge is so annoyed that he gives in to her. Jesus brings calm in the chaos. If we don't cast or throw our anxieties, worries, and cares on him, then listen carefully. If we don't do that, what do you think is going to happen? They will overpower you. They will overtake you and me. They will divide our souls in such a way that we lose sight
1: of the gospel of Christ.
0: Anxiety has a debilitating effect on our lives and results from our loss of confidence and assurance. If we doubt, we assume the burden of worries and thus thus demonstrate a lack of faith. Those are the words of Kistemaker, wonderful Bible commentator who speaks of anxiety being a debilitating effect on our lives. Consider carrying a backpack of stones for a minute. That backpack of stones is heavy, and it gets heavier as you walk, heavier as a day or minute or hour day goes by. It gets heavier. And on top of that, when we don't cast it over to God, we just throw more stones in there. How many more stones do you want to throw in your backpack this morning? Until next thing you know, you're on your knees and flat on your face or my face. So worrisome, so anxiety-ridden that we lose sight of Christ.
1: And what actually happens is it becomes about
0: us. Because we think we have the power to uphold them. We think we have the power to handle them. And I think in this way we act like practical atheists as if God doesn't exist, as if God's impotent, as if God doesn't care that he's some spaghetti
1: monster in the universe.
0: Anxiety plagues us in different degrees. Let us not forget who's in control. Let us not forget God. Let us have faith. Reason, what's the reason? Why give worry and anxiety over to God? You gotta love these words. Because God cares for us. You see how simple Peter makes it? He doesn't give us a theological treatise. He states it plainly. Because God cares for us. You suffer with anxiety or worry? Look at me for a moment then. Because God cares for you. And he welcomes you to cast your anxieties upon him. Is that not a beautiful truth? To care for somebody is to take a vested interest in that person. I love that person so much that I genuinely care for the person. And I have the person's best interests in mind. And God's saying, Come, give it to me. I'll take it.
1: Why are you holding on to them?
0: He isn't so far removed from us that he's indifferent towards us and our needs and our brokenness. God is near and he cares. And he's near to us by his Son and
1: Spirit.
0: Psalm 37, the psalmist writes, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land that befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Yeah, you will suffer, but it's for a little while. And He will exalt you and me,
1: Christian. He will never permit the righteous to be moved, said the psalmist.
0: So we fight the good fight of faith. Battle imagery is good in this context. When soldiers go out to battle, they go out as a brotherhood. They go out to fight together, and they fight to the bitter end. And so we fight the good fight to the end, knowing that we cast our cares and worries upon him before they cripple us. We cast them upon them upon God through Christ because he cares for us and only the good shepherd is able to guide us through the veil of tears and laments of life. And he will lead us beside still waters where there's peace and plenty. And so our faith looks forward to the hope that is for us. In Christ. He is near to those who humbly draw near to Him through Christ alone. Draw near and find rest for your soul. Matthew 6, Jesus teaches His disciples don't be anxious and trust in God for all of your needs. Seek first His kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The Apostle Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, is a profound peace. This peace will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peter and Paul are on the same page here, calling us to the
1: same action.
0: There was a conflict in the Middle East many years ago, not the current conflict. It was many years ago, and there was a missionary couple serving in Israel at the time. And they wrote in their prayer letter to their supporting church and other supporting members, they wrote these words, The result of the fighting and killing left a profound sense of discouragement that hovers over the country. Several times we have come into closer contact with this conflict than our comfort zone allowed. They continued and wrote, Yesterday a friend said she was watching a shepherd caring for his flock near the area where guns were fired. Every time the shots rang, the sheep scattered in fright. The shepherd touched each of them with his staff and spoke calmly to them. And the sheep settled down because they trusted the shepherd. Then another shot sounded. And the same routine happened. Each time, the sheep needed the shepherd to orient them again and to reassure them that they were safe.
1: They were safe.
0: Perhaps you need to be reminded this morning that when you humble yourselves before before God's mighty hand, under God's mighty hand, and humbly cast your cares upon Him, that He cares for you, that Jesus is your good and great shepherd, and He touches you with His staff, and He brings calm and peace. Even when the guns are fired, in life those distractions those sufferings those things that make us be divided in soul Jesus comes and he touches us with his mighty staff and says peace be with you you are mine and you will be exalted you will be exalted trust in me Let's pray. Lord God, in seasons of drought, and seasons of plenty, may our hearts be humbled by your grace and mercy towards us and our good and gracious shepherd, Jesus Christ. We pray that in this new year you may Bless us and keep us and that your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. We pray that in this new year, our hearts and souls be directed and comforted by our shepherd. And we pray that we will humble ourselves under your mighty hand, throwing every anxiety and worry and care upon you because you care for us. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for the promise of your spirit the spirit of the living God who dwells within us. And we pray, O oh Lord, that by your spirit, you will deepen our faith, that the eyes of our faith will draw towards Jesus. That you will deepen our faith in him and our trust in your perfect plan in our lives so that whether it is a season of drought or a season of plenty, our hearts will praise your name and declare it is well with our soul. Because we know that you care for your sheep and you call us by name. We also pray for your people, both near and far, who are suffering for the cause of Christ. May you grant them your mercy and persevering faith. We also pray that the present trials and the attacks from the devil, will not cause us to slip or slumber in our faith, but that we would hold more firmly to you and your promises that Jesus Christ has conquered the world, the flesh, and the devil. In him we have overcome the world and are empowered to resist the devil and his evil schemes. And so as he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, may we, O Lord, resist him being firm in faith, knowing, O Lord, that our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering too. And that we uphold one another in prayer. Grant us your grace in this new year to fight the good fight of faith, humbling ourselves before you through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.
1: Amen.